What a beautiful song, amen? And the, re- the way we can prove we love God is put Him first, amen? And obey Him. That's the evidence of love. Turn to your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 11. And uh, I thank God for the privilege of being here. Yet last week I was preaching a missions revival, uh, one day missions report or day. And I'm sure miss being here, but I know it's necessary sometimes for me to, to miss, to train others to take over. And I don't like it, don't like missing, and I especially miss our choir. There's no choir like our choir. I appreciate the choir this morning. That was a great song. He stood for us. Think about that for a second. He took your place. He's a divine substitute, and I thank God uh, for that. But Mark chapter 11, the passage just happens to fall on what we call Palm Sunday. And this is about Palm Sunday, so it's just amazing to me that God has um, lined up this, this wonderful time for us to preach the Bible on um, this particular day. Uh, excuse this uh, cough drop, I'm having trouble breathing this morning. I know what a windsucker is now. It's when they get pollen down in your lungs and you have to windsuck to, to breach, amen. And so that's what a windsucker is, amen. I'm going to be one this morning. So pray for me, I'm having a difficult time. You know, we ought to listen to our wives, amen, men. I'm going to just say you ought to listen to your wives. My wife told me not to cut the grass and not to trim the hedges yesterday. But I did. And so I'm paying for it now. So, amen. But it looked real nice. Y'all go down there and look at the hedges. They're really trimmed up good. And, but I can't talk, can't breathe. Amen. But uh, pollen is uh, 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 taking over the world. I believe that's a sign of the last days. Amen. Pollen's taking over everybody. Amen. But. Anyway, I'm not complaining. I'm glad to be here. I want you to turn to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, also. Now, you say, I can't find Zechariah. Just go to Malachi and go back one chapter, and you got it. Amen? Zechariah 9, 9. I'll really take my text from there, but I want to uh, continue our study of Mark, Mark chapter 11, verse 1 through 11. Aren't you glad to be here? Amen? You know, some people have been in the hospital all week. I hope they're listening by way of internet. Uh, they had a rough week. Had a rough night last night, and uh, so we need to keep praying for him, amen, and he got out of the hospital, and so did Patricia, and then um, we need to pray the, uh, the Hurleys as she lost her mom, and they're going to make arrangements tomorrow up in Pikeville, Kentucky, I believe it is, and so pray for our new members, and uh, just reach out to them. I don't think there's really any arrangements made. There might not be any arrangements made, but pray, pray for the family. You're just blessed to be here today. you got good health. Yeah. Your family's all intact, and God's blessed you to be a blessing, and you could be in the, uh, the best hospital in town, or you could be in the best morgue in town, <laughs> amen. That's a morbid thought, amen. Anyway, <clears throat> thank God for uh, the, the privilege of being here, and why don't I take it for granted, amen. And I hope that you'll do this right before I preach. I want you to do this. I want you to take one of these prayer lists home with you, and I want you to use it. Um, Tuesday, uh, one of the missionaries on the Tuesday list fell into sin Ruined his family, uh, his, his wife's expecting next month, and he had to resign his whole ministry because of moral failure. Now you say, what should we do? We ought to pray for our missionaries. They've got a target on their back. And I say all that to say this, you need to be careful, men and ladies. Uh, you need to be careful. The devil's after your marriage too. So you might not think you need this service, and you might not think you need Sunday school, and you might not even think you need to come back tonight. And I wouldn't miss the Lord's Supper for anything. But I want to tell you something, you need it more than you think you need it. 
Your marriage needs it more than you think it does. And your future, your, your children need to be really close to God in the future because it's going to get worse. Amen? And I know you came all the way here to hear that, but it's going to get worse. But uh, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, let's stand in awe of the Word of God. I'll read that first, and then we've got a dual text. If one don't get you, the other one will. It says in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Whoo, shout, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, the king cometh unto thee. That's the title of the message. The king cometh unto thee. He is just in having salvation. Now listen to this. 487 years before Jesus was born. It says, in having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a coat, the foal of an ass. And then you go to Mark chapter 11, you see the fulfillment of it. Jesus comes riding into, uh, uh, on, a, on a donkey. And we just ha- talked about a donkey this morning in Sunday school. It was a great lesson. But here's another donkey God used. Amen. If, this is encouraging. If God can use donkeys, maybe he can use us. Amen. Oh, that didn't go over too good. But anyway, listen, look at chapter 11, verse 1. It says, When they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethany, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he, he, he sendeth forth two of his disciples. Mount of Olives is real significant. That's where he's going to touch when he comes back. And he said to them, Go your way into the village over against you, and soon as ye enter into it, ye shall find a coat tied thereon never man set. Wasn't even broke. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do you do this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him. And straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the coat by the door without in a place where two ways met. And they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye, lo- what do ye loosing the coat? Probably the owner was saying that. And they said to them, even as Jesus has commanded, and they let him go. And they brought the coat to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And, and many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our Father David, that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple, and when he had looked upon, looked round about upon all things, and now the evening tide was come, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the exact fulfillment of prophecy. Lord, it makes me know, and I know it anyway, but I know that the Word of God is inerrant. And that every prophecy about Jesus came true to the minute detail, even riding an old old donkey uh, off the Mount of Olives into this village, God into Jerusalem. Thank you, dear God, uh, for the fulfillment of prophecy. But more more important, Lord, thank you for you. And thank you for coming and standing in our place that we can stand for you and sing this morning. We can praise you. We can do whatever we can do uh, just to be a servant of yours. So, Lord, thank you, God, for this beautiful Palm Sunday that's described in the scripture. And I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help us to realize, behold, the King cometh unto us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we reached a pivotal point in this book of Mark, 
Mark's a book about Jesus being the greatest servant that ever touched this earth. But on the Mount of Olives, he's overlooking Jerusalem. And Jesus has been there many times. In fact, uh, he had been in the city below many times also, Jerusalem. And he ascends from the Mount of Olives on this day. Uh, and he sets in motion certain events that's going to take place, which we call the Passion Week. Uh, <clears throat> by next Friday, he'll be on the cross saying it is finished, and by next Sunday, uh, when the sun rises, before the sun rises up from the grave, he'll arise. And I want to tell you something, folks, this is a pivotal week in your life. This week will change your life if you accept what's done at Calvary, and then that he was buried, and that he arose, and thank God he's, al he's alive on the right hand of God, and we serve a risen Savior, and he's in our hearts today. And before the sun sets, uh, folks, uh, the next Friday, uh, he, he gives up the ghost and dies, and then he's crucified, and then death, hell, and the grave is conquered on that Sunday morning. You know why we come on Sunday morning? Because it's, it's, it's resurrection day. Now, I'm not sure about all this Easter stuff, because it always changes every year. I know it's a full moon, past the moon, whatever. I don't know why it changes every year. You always have to look on the calendar and see where Easter is, but I want to tell you one thing that doesn't change, and that is this. Every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection. The reason we're here is because he lives and we live. And folks, you'd be dying and going to hell if it wasn't for salvation. And folks, we ought to come to the house of God grateful, thankful, and singing, Hosanna, the King is coming. And we ought to be rejoicing in the Lord. Amen. Always through the book of Mark, Mark chapter 7, verse 36, Mark chapter 8, verse 30. As uh, soon as he, uh, uh, the Lord uh, performed a miracle, <coughs> they... Uh, he said, be quiet, don't say anything. But he changes everything on this Palm Sunday. And I want you to see what he changes because he's making himself known that he is the king and there is no other. Say amen. And first of all, I want you to see the person of the king in verse 1 through 6. Jesus moving through little villages in the mountain. Bethany and Bethany, that was the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And that's where he stayed during his last days on the earth. He just raised Lazarus from the dead. What a forecast of what's going to happen to us one day. Is that we're going to be buried, but one day at the, uh, at, at this, we're going to come up out of that grave and be reunited with our soul that's going to heaven the moment you die if you're saved. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. We see it very quick. Keep in mind that this, this, this is Passover. This is leading into the Passover. Historians tell us that the population of Jerusalem at that time was 80,000 people. But during this week now, two to three million people would make their way to Jerusalem to observe the special Passover. And folks, I want you to know this. They didn't want to miss it because they thought God was going to do another miracle like He did when, he, when, that, when the Passover took place and the death angel came by and the blood. They were looking for miracles, so they packed it in there into that little town, and folks, they missed the miracle. Because when Jesus shows up, they didn't even recognize him. I want you to see, second of all, his personality. Jesus sent, this is the whole context of, the, of chapter 1 through, or verse 1 through 11. Jesus sends two of his disciples to a village, gets a young donkey. Uh, he tells them exactly what they're going to find, exactly what the people are going to say, and he, he's going to say, hey, listen. They're not going to resist because I prepared this donkey for me to ride. And they went to this wild donkey. I don't think you, I always had him pictured tied up to a post 
in front of the saloon or something, you know. But that's, that's a horse, isn't it? Amen. But anyway, uh, and, and, but he was probably in a barn somewhere or he was tied to some place in the fork of the road because he'd never been broke. So nobody rode him there. Nobody had ever ridden this donkey. And thank God Jesus tamed him in one word. Amen. I need you. I have need of him. And I want you to see this is the sovereignty of God. It reminds us that Jesus is God and he's in control of everything, even donkeys. And all the rest of us ought to yield to God as much as a donkey. Say amen. And I've heard many, many messages on donkey. I ain't preaching on the donkey. I'm preaching on the deity of Christ. Amen. But I want you to, it shows the sovereignty of God. He prepares this donkey. And then, you know, he, um, he says the Lord has need of him. I like that. He said, he said, tell them the Lord has need of them. He's proclaiming his kingdom. He's proclaiming that he's Lord. He's always been Lord. Amen. And folks, I want you to see that uh, Jesus is well known in this village. Why? Because the village where he's getting this donkey, he raised a person up from the dead. Amen? So I want to tell you something. When they said Jesus, it was more than these popular celebrities that think they're some big shots and wear those $6,000 tennis shoes as all the Sunday school teachers shared. Uh, <clears throat> red ones too. Oh my word. But anyway, that's, it's more than this celebrity, more than some rich dudes trying to, trying to be the last prophet of, of TV land. Folks, he's Jesus. He's God. He's Lord. And folks, he said, hey, I, tell them the Lord has need of them. And immediately when they said Lord, they said, that must have been the man that raised uh, Jesus. I mean, Lazarus from the dead. He can have him. Amen. And you'd want him to have him too, or anything he wanted. Look at verse 3 again. It says, and if any man say unto you, why do you do this? Say ye that you, the Lord has need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. This shows the sovereignty of God, but it also shows the servanthood to God. Who were those disciples? You don't know. You know why? Because it's not important that you know their names. They were just willing servants. They were nobodies telling everybody about somebody that could save anybody. Folks, we don't need our names written up in the uh, uh, daily citizen to serve God. We just need to please God, and we need to realize that He, he had need of Him this shows the humility of God. He was sovereign, but here he comes saying, I have need of a donkey. He could have rode in town on a cloud. Say amen. He could have rode in town on a star. He could have rode in, on, uh, in town in, in the wind. But he had need of a donkey, and he had need that two unnamed disciples go and get that donkey and bring it to him. And folks, what the humility. He didn't even have a saddle. They put clothes on his on that old donkey's back, and he rode, he was riding into town. Reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. If you'll look at that with me, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. <clears throat> Pray for my breath this morning, amen. You say, I've been close to you, it is bad. No, I'm talking about breathing, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty ye might be rich. Choir, I enjoyed that message in song. Because, folks, he did stand for us. And he stood as a humble servant. And he rode in on not a stallion of some great Roman triumphant. You know the story about those, and I'll tell you a little bit more about them. But he that fashioned everything had to borrow a boat to preach out of. 
He that, um, that uh, formed every drop of water that exists in the world said, one day I thirst. I'll preach on that tonight. He that created every tree had to borrow a cross. He that created every rock had to borrow a tomb. He that used clouds as his chariots, Psalms 104 verse 3, <clears throat> yet he had to borrow a donkey to ride into town. This is the paradox of his life. He was rich, yet he became poor that you might be rich. Amen. I want to tell you something, friend. Don't feel sorry for yourself if you're a Christian. You might have everything everybody else has, and you might not have the fanciest clothes, or you might not have the fanciest cars, <clears throat> but I want to tell you something. You have Jesus. You have things money cannot buy. And folks, you have peace and joy and purpose, and that's why we worship Him as we do, because folks, we owe Him everything. Amen. He deserves preeminence. He deserves to be Lord in our lives. And he has need of you. I don't know why he has need of me, but I'm glad he does. That I've got something to do here besides just spending Sunday morning reading the paper and watching a golf tournament. I've got something to do this morning, and that's worship God. But most important of all, i got something to be, and that's to be a servant of God. And if he wants to ride on me or if he wants to use me in any way, I want to be available. And folks, I want to tell you something about this donkey. I want to preach on this donkey, but I, just, I want you to run, understand this. He chose this frail human instrument, and he chooses us, and, he, and, he, and folks, listen, he, he released him, and then he ruled him, but I want to tell you something, the Bible, my Bible tells me he returned him, amen? That's good when you borrow something that he's returned, amen? You ever went to the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, shop, and you're looking for a tool, and you realize you lent it to somebody, and you just want to call them up and say, my goodness, can't you return what you borrowed? Amen. I have, uh, I have uh, two sons. They borrow everything I have, and I borrow everything they have. And I try to at least return it uh, within six months. Amen. And, uh, you know, but I want to tell you something. Jesus returned this donkey. And I, I started thinking about that. He said in verse 4, And when they went their way, they found this coat tied by the door without the place where two ways met. And they loosed him. And certain of them stood there, said unto them, What do ye loosen the coat? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus has commanded, and they let him go, and they brought the coat to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and set upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And so, folks, I want to tell you something. When they returned this donkey, he was better off. He was broke, and I want to tell you something. He, had, he was uh, better. He'd been untried. Now he's tried because the master of the wind had rode him. And praise God, he, he was the escort to the king of kings into this city. Folks, you give, you give me an Abraham, he'll return back as an Abra, uh, Abram, he'll return back as an Ab Abraham, mighty man of faith. You give you Jacob, a schemer and a trickster, and he comes back as Israel, the prince of peace, uh, the prince of God. You give somebody Saul of Tarsus, a mean, cruel persecutor of the church, he comes back as a mighty apostle of God. Folks, I love the touch of God, amen? I love that, that uh, God can take a loud mouth guy named Peter and call him the rock for Jesus when he comes back and he brings him back. Folks, listen, you'll never, never be sorry that you let God use your life. God wants you to use your life. And folks, I see the presentation, that's the main thing I want to get to real quick, in verse 7 through 10, it says that they brought the coat to Jesus, and when they brought it to him, verse 8, and they many spread their garments in the way. They put their garments on this old donkey's back. 
cut down the branches of the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the king of our uh, the, 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 be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were singing. They were singing parts. The group up front was singing one line. They'd sing the uh, next line in the back. And they were presenting him two ways. Number one is a lowly servant. That's the theme. That's the theme of Mark. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 is the theme verse of all the book of Mark. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to minister unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Folks, he's a giver. So a lot of people want to take, a lot of people want to manipulate, but God calls us to give our lives as servants. And folks, he gave his life as a servant. This whole book of Mark is setting um, uh, an example for us. that We ought to humble ourselves, become of no reputation, and be obedient. And he was even obedient to the cross. Can't wait to tonight. Folks, this procession was of paupers. They were not rich they were not famous. They were not soldiers. Palm branches instead of swords. Sitting, in old, sitting on an old coat, not even a saddle. And folks, this ragtag group going down the mountain, the world probably laughed at them. And I know the Roman soldiers laughed at them. Because folks, what they reminded them of was a Roman triumphant. And a triumphus. And these were great celebrations when a Roman general would have a great victory, at least 5,000 uh, soldiers he killed in that battle with his whole army. And they'd bring back the spoils of the, of the war and they'd march into town. They'd have tigers and lions and elephants. And the king would be uh, riding on a beautiful white horse. And behind that white horse would be ropes to the king they just conquered. And they was dragging that king through the streets. And folks, it was the finest chariot that could be uh, bought for that general. Thousands would cheer. Thousands would vibrate the shouts, praising Caesar and the Roman gods. And this probably appeared to them as a joke. Here's a man riding on a donkey and a bunch of poor people throwing palm leaves in front of him. And, and clothes were his, his saddle. And folks, the ancient times, the palm tree was a symbol of victory. Uh, in the Greek mythology, Nike, now you know where that came from, Nike, the goddess of victory, was often pictured with a palm tree. In Rome, returning generals who had won a great victory were given a parade known as a triumphant. And according to the Roman poet Martius, uh, M-A-R-T-I-A-L, whose writings give us much of the history around uh, the Bible times, uh, he had a toga... Palmata, which is a robe decorated with palm branches. So if he had his second victory, and that means he, he killed 10,000 soldiers, that give him a special uh, entry, uh, and, 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 and they, would, they would robe him with these palm leaves because palm leaves on the robe remind him of Nike, the god of victory. So I want to tell you something. Jesus knew all about that. And so when he started saying, hey, get some palm leaves and throw them at my feet and throw them in the path of this old yielded donkey, he was saying, listen, the victor's come. Amen. Hey, the real victory is won at Calvary. And the real victory is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the real victory for your life is not some Roman soldier or some political movement, but folks, it's Jesus Christ. He is the victor. Amen. 
And there's no greater victory than one that was won at Calvary. Amen. And then I see him as the lofty one. Not only as the humble one, the lowly one. But look at verse 9. And they went before and they, they, they followed, cried, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Amen. Blessed be the kingdom of the Father David. They were calling him king as the crowd descended the slopes of Mount Olives. Went through these two little villages. Where one of them where Lazarus was risen from the dead. Maybe Lazarus was in that parade. Amen. I imagine he was. He was probably singing, once I was dead, now I'm alive. He touched me. Amen. I was stinking in the grave. And God came by and said, Lazarus, come forth. And I want to tell you something, friend. You'll not live until you experience Jesus Christ. You'll not live until you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, so we see that they come in the name of the Lord singing Hosanna, which means save now. Look at Psalms 118. I love this verse, Psalms 118, verse 24. Uh, was was my life verse for many, many years after I got uh, uh, rescued from clam chowder. I had an allergic reaction to clam chowder trying to witness to a guy named Charles Cofield and went him to the Lord. And uh, I almost died before I got to the emergency room. I hadn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't ate too much clam chowder since then. My wife's tried to feed me some after I got that life policy, but I ain't drinking it. I ain't eating it. No, ain't there, no way. And uh, that was just a joke. I mean, she's in the nursery. I can say anything I want to. But you ladies always tell her everything I say. But anyway, Psalms 118. You better say amen, Miss Joanne. But look at this, Psalms 118, verse 25. I want you to see this real quick. The Bible says, uh, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Look at verse 26. Blessed be, be the, he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. I believe they were singing those verses. Look at verse 24, though. This is the verse that uh, the Lord gave me after I survived the clam chowder. It says this, this is the day which the Lord has made. We rejoice and be glad in it. The day before, I was a little gripey. <clears throat> I'll just confess my sin. The day before, I was a little negative. The day before, I was a little pessimistic. After I almost died, my whole perspective changed. They said if I hadn't got to the emergency room and got that adrenaline in my arm in the parking lot, that I was suffocating my own fluid because I'm allergic to shellfish. And I hadn't ate, ate, hadn't ate shellfish since that day. Can y'all believe that? But I want to tell you this, friend. Mark relates this as they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. But in Luke, Mark didn't relate this. The Pharisees came along. And they said, stop your shouting. Stop your praising. They wanted to quiet that crowd. Look at Luke chapter 19 real quick. Luke 19. I won't, I won't preach much longer. Y'all can take it. Luke chapter 19. If you prepared your heart for this service, by the way, you know, there's a lot of preparation goes into a lot of things that are special. What's more special than anything that's special is this service. You ought to prepare your heart. Amen. Don't come to leave. Come to be blessed. Pray before you come. But look at Luke chapter 19. I just felt led to say that. Verse 39. It says, Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said to him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Because see, verse 38, they're, they're singing, Blessed be the king that cometh. They're putting the palm leaves down. The donkey's making his way to Jerusalem. Then he, and some of the Pharisees said, um, Master, rebuke the disciples. I want you to see what the Master said on that donkey. He preached a good one. Look at verse 40. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that, if these should hold their peace, the stones will immediately cry out. Amen. 
what happens in the book of Revelation. The stones are going to cry out. And folks, I want to tell you something. If you won't worship God, some rock will. But I wouldn't let no rock take my place, amen. I'd praise him. I'd praise him for being my victory. I'd praise him for salvation. I'd praise him for a, a sanctification, a reason to serve God. I'd praise him if he looked at me as a little donkey and say, hey, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll be your servant. I think we ought to praise God, amen. I think we ought to smile at least, amen, about when we come to the house of God, that God's given us another week of life, another week of breath. Folks, you're healthy enough to be here this morning. God has blessed you with salvation, eternal life. But I want you to look at verse 41. It says, when he had come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. Saying, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belongeth unto the peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Spiritual blindness, good message last Sunday morning. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench around about thee. He's talking about the Jerusalem, the Israelites. Listen to this now. He says, and, and keep thee in, on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground and the children within thee, and they shall not leave thee one stone upon another, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. So while he's riding in, they're all shouting it out, praising God, he's weeping. Why is he weeping? Because he sees the future. He sees the future. Mark doesn't mention this, but Luke made much of it. He knew within 40 years the Romans would besiege that town. He knew that over 30,000 Jews would be crucified. As the legions marched through that city and taken people and crucified, 30,000. He knew that the city would hold out for months while people succumbed to, by thousands of, <clears throat> to disease and, and starvation. He knew they'd throw the bodies of the dead over the walls of Jerusalem. And as historians say, he knew that Roman general Titus would see the pile of dead bodies lying outside the walls of Jerusalem, that he would lift his hands towards heaven to call God as a witness that it was not his fault and that he did not have to do this this way. Jesus knew that the Roman would conquer the city. Jesus knew that they'd destroy the temple. He also knew the people would be scattered to the four winds of the earth, and they still are, the Jews. And he knew all things and more. And so Jesus wept over that town. Folks, it pays to believe that Jesus is your Messiah. And it pays to surrender to him. He came unto his own and his own received him not, John 1, 11. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 3, 743 years before the fact, he was a man of sorrows. He was a man of sorrows. Folks, the reason is he knew as he examined that town, as the verse says, and then he, he, he went into the temple. And the Bible says he looked at all things. He looked at all things. Look at verse uh, Mark chapter 11 again. Go back to our text and we'll close. And all God's people said, I hope so. But look at verse, verse uh, 11. And Jesus entered Jerusalem, and he knew what was going to happen in just a few years. And into the temple. <clears throat> now listen to this. And when he looked around about upon all things, and now the evening tide was come, and went out into Bethany with the twelve. <clears throat> so the Bible says he looked at all things in the temple. I imagine he saw all the beauty. They even had lily work on top of the columns that only God could see. It was a beautiful place of gold, immaculate. Then he saw all the priests carrying out the rituals. 
He saw the people bringing their sacrifices to the priest. He saw it all, the Bible says, but they didn't see him. They didn't see him. I want to ask you a question. Please answer this in your heart. If he came in this building right now, what would he see in your heart? Would he see you going through a ritual? Sunday morning, got to get it off of conscious. Uh, I'll just come tend to church. Preacher might come knock on my door next Saturday and say, where were you? And I could if, I would if I could. But I want to tell you something, friend. We're not here just to be our religious duty. We're here to sing Hosanna. We're here to say, you're king. We're here to be grateful and blessed and bless his holy name. Folks, what does he see in this church? But more important of all, what does he see in your heart? I believe in our heart there ought to be an attitude of praise. I believe in our heart there ought to be an attitude of worship. I believe in our heart there ought to be an attitude of gratefulness. That's why it's so important to take the Lord's Supper. You're telling your family, you're telling your world, world that, hey, the juice representing the blood and the bread that represents His body changed my life. The death, burial, and resurrection changed my life. And do this in remembrance. Is it just engraved on a, on a, on a table? Or is it engraved in your heart? And folks, we need to let God listen to our heart when we come into the house of God, when we serve Him every day. Some people don't crack the Bible until they come here. Don't even read the Bible until they get here. And folks, that's not what God wants. God wants your heart. And these people were humble. They were not the trumpet Roman legions. They were just humble people. And they cast the palm leaves, because they couldn't make a fancy robe with the palms that said victory. But folks, I want to tell you something. He won thousands and thousands of lords. Lord, in the book of Acts, you see thousands and thousands that was victorious in being saved. But I, I want you to understand this. God wants to hear His heartbeat and your heartbeat. He wants you to really worship Him. And thank God you're here today. You could have done a lot of other things like sleep in on a rainy day. Emily and I were trying to get to the car and she said, Papa, you need an umbrella. I said, I know I need an umbrella. I said, but why don't we just pray and ask God to stop this rain? I really stepped out now. She's nine years old. She thinks Papa is something else. And so I prayed. It took about 15 minutes, but it stopped raining. Praise God. Amen. I'm not saying it's because of my prayer, but I'll tell you what, I wanted to come to the house of God with my little granddaughter to say, hey, I'm going to worship God. I don't care if it's raining frogs out there. And thank God for you. But I heard about this situation, this man who lived in Arizona. He abused his body with riotous living. And through all his sin, he damaged his heart beyond repair. And he was in desperate need of a heart transplant. And there was another man who lived in Orlando, Florida. He was a stunt man. And so help me, this is true. His name's Michael Brady. And he was, a, he was in perfect health, but he had a sudden accident. And one of his stunts, he fell off a train, hit his head on the tracks, and it killed him. But he had put on his driver's license, owner Dorgan, uh, uh, organ donor. Yeah, help me out now. And he said, uh, and he wanted to give his heart to somebody. He'd registered as an organ donor, <clears throat> and they flew his heart to the hospital all the way to Arizona for this 
young man that lived such riotous living. And um, the, the heart transplant was a smashing success. I mean, it just fit perfect. He found out this guy was a marathon runner and stunt man and was excellent shape. It even convicted him he was going to get in shape. And you know, for six months, you can't go and find out where your donor or your, your loved one's heart is, but after six months, you can find out. And he contacted this fellow way out in Arizona, where you used to live, brother. He said, can I come out and talk to you? And he came out and talked to him, and, and uh, Bill was his name. He said, you know, uh, learn about your son. Hey, I've got shape, and, and I, I'm, I'm even running marathons myself, and, and I jog every day, and I exercise every day, and I eat right. And I want you to know he, he's, he's really, really been an inspiration to know that your son's heart is so healthy, and now it beats within me. The daddy began to weep. He said, I've got an unusual request before I leave. Could I put my ear up to your chest? And could I hear my Bill's heart beat one more time? And so he went and put his heart chest against his ear against the, the chest of, 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 of Bill, and he listened to his son's heartbeat. This morning. I'd like to ask you a question. If God the Father put his ear up against your heart, would he hear his son's heartbeat? Or would he hear a crowded heart, a callous heart, a flippant heart, a cold heart, or a heart that's full of self and sin? What would he hear? I pray to God that if he would hear my heart, he'd hear his son's heart. And I believe that's exactly the attitude of those poor people throwing those branches down before the donkey, before the king singing Hosanna. Folks, listen, we not, might not be much, but we have a king that wants to bring victory in our life if we'll only believe, acknowledge him, and praise him, and stand for him because he first stood for us. Let's pray. Father. Thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you, God, for Palm Sunday. And thank you, dear God, for the real Palm Sunday. And that's when you rode in, on that donkey to, to that city that was going to be besieged in a few years and destroyed. And the temple, you, walked, you looked around. You saw all that was going on. But they didn't see you. They didn't see you. They didn't recognize you in that temple because it was too wrapped up in their rituals. They were too wrapped up in other things. They were too wrapped up in their self. And they missed the blessing of your presence. God help us to never miss the blessing of your presence. May we escort you from town to town by a yielded life, by a life of praise, by a holy life of dedication. God, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, this is a more important day than any day we can manufacture with the things of this world. And God, we worship you, we praise you, we adore you, and we're so thankful.